0: Good evening, hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we're learning Maseches, Beit da Lamed and we're starting about 10 lines from the bottom of Lamed Gimel, Lamed at the two dots. We've been discussing a collection of halachos that were stated in the, in the previous Mishnah, that previous Mishnah is on the bottom of Lamed Gimel, Lamed and one of them, as quoted here, is Mugabe, that one, according to the Tanakhama, at least, is allowed to collect sticks and twigs to be burned um, that are strewn throughout the Chatser. Um, and the brysa here is going to quote something quite similar to our Mishnah, and, the Tanakama is of the opinion, uh, as is our Mishnah, and this brysa matches, that one is allowed to collect twigs from their uh, field, no problem at all, who we, pres- we presume that anything that's in your achatzar is considered to be muchan without any restrictions of the halachos amuksa, but however, one needs to make sure, shaloh yasat tziburin, siburin. Saburin. you want to One should make sure that they're not making uh, making piles, that's inappropriate, um, and Reb Shimon Matya, that's what the bryasa says. So the Gemara here analyzes this bryasa, what's the machlokes of can you make piles in your chatzar and can you not make piles in your chatzar? So mar-saber mechse de kamachneflomach aliyom acharina. What the Tanakama is concerned about in regards to making piles is that maybe one who's watching you would assume that the piles that you're making are for future use and they're not for today. And that would be usur. It's not or what you're doing. It's the perception of what you're doing might be sir And Umar Sabar, the shita of Rib Shimon is not that way. Sabar, rasa Allah. When they see that you're standing there with the pot, they know that you're going to collect firewood to burn the pot. This is a very interesting halachika discussion of if you see... The context, does it work? Like, so we have a din in Shulchan the Ramah quotes says that if a person's eating a, um, and you're drinking it with milk, you're drinking it with meat. So then you're supposed to put some on the table. Eva It's almonds. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But that's what the Ramah writes. But let's say people nowadays, we have a very clear context. You just ate steak. Now you have a coffee with coffee creamer in it. Do I have to put out almonds? I have to leave the container out. Why don't we look at the context and say, this guy's a from person, this woman's a from, just that obviously it's part of a creamer, but we don't do that. We typically assume that when we, so that's what the Gemara is dealing with over here is does context matter? If you're holding a cle, which everybody knows that you use to cook on Yantav, isn't it obvious that you're making a pile in order to cook? So that's what the Machlokas is between the Tanakama and Rib Shimon. The Gemara says five lines from the bottom in Motzina Sa'or so, that one is not allowed to create fire. And our Mishnah listed a whole uh, a whole host of different ways to start fire, but it's not allowed. My time de Kamoli Molid is a halachic terminology that one is not allowed to create something new on Shabbos. There are post uh, postgames who say that it's different than Nolad. Uh Nolad is when something happens on its own, molad is when you make something, uh, these are differences in language. Nevertheless, it's User because the Kamoli biomto and that's why we light you know, multiple day candles, or we light from candle to candle to ensure that on Tov we're not lighting from a new flame. And of course, it's happened to us all where the fire goes out. You have to go to the neighbor, try to transfer the fire. Very difficult. Fine. But that's what the Gemara says, as molir Tov is a problem. Ben malabnin sarafim, one is not allowed to, uh, make libun to make the tiles very hot. Micah Abid, what's the halachic issue? Why can't you cook on them? We're dealing with a new product. And part of the problem with the new product, as we turn to the top of Lamadal Ramadal, is they need to be checked to see what their integrity is. Take a look at Rashi. Top Rashi on the page, and if they can handle the heat, it's going to be sitting on the roof under the boiling sun and the Middle Eastern sun, 90 degrees, 100 degrees for many days in a row. Can it handle it? So they would test it. And what Rashi says at the top is that you're not allowed to do this on Yom Tov Dilma Pake. Maybe it will crack. Maybe it will crack. And then, retroactively, it will be that you did something that uh, you did something that was a, t- a tircha, and that's not allowed. And it's only here do we view it as a tircha, because here it's likely that it will crack. Now, this is very different than our construction. We don't have to test ours by sticking them in a fire. We basically have a clue. Uh, the materials that we have have such overarchingly, uh, they're built so well. So this is one concern that the Gemara says of Rabbi Barbar la. and some say that that wasn't the reason why there was a restriction on heating up the tiles, but rather, it wasn't that we needed to check them, it's that we needed to, uh, to, bo- to burn them again, to make them still stronger. Uh, and it was a process of strengthening. So the Gemara then is going to ask a question. Tanan HaSam, we have a Mishnah. And what does the Mishnah write? Darsa o bekosel. if there's a bird that was stepped on or that was pressed against a wall, o or that an animal stepped on this bird, and an animal still alive and moving around, and you waited 24 hours. In general, in halacha, when we say, me'es it's a 24-hour window. So then the halacha is ksheira that that animal is kasha. we're four lines, down lamadal dal, lam, dal lam, Just a fascinating din of me'es It comes up in bris mila all the time um, when there's a baby that, God forbid, is sick. So normally the rule is like this. When a baby is born even one minute before shkia on a Monday, the bris can be any time on the following Monday in Zriz and makdim, and the earlier the better. However, if a baby is sick and the bris is pushed off, then the count is not like that then the count is not mixed as ayum kakulo the count is 7 days may aslays so from the time the baby gets a clean bill of health if it's 10am in the morning the brisk cannot be earlier than that 10am slot the next week so let's say the baby was put in the in the uh, in the nicu and he's released on day 5 and the the cl- the critical issues of his health dissolved on day five at 4 p.m. The brisk cannot be before 4 p.m. seven days later. It's an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable halacha. That's a, an, another application of ace lace. So this bird waited 24 hours and then it was shechted. The halacha is that it is Kshera. And the Gemara continues on line four. But this animal, we can't make any assumptions about it. We need to check it to make sure that it's actually gonna not have any trefas because the animal was crushed and thrown against the wall and stepped on by an elephant. It's got a lot that it needs to be worked on. So we can't just eat it. We have to check it. So it says the Gemara, wait a minute. He says, hold on one second. I understand during the week, this animal can be checked, no problem. But on Yom Tov, are we allowed to check to this animal? Why? What's the problem? Would we make an assumption that there's a Raysa, that there's a flaw in the animal, that it has some type of moon from all of the trauma that it underwent? Oh, do we say, oh, no, no, Just We just treat it like every other animal. So Amar hold on one second. Tanina, we learned this in our Mishnah. What did we learn in our Mishnah? We're not allowed to, to uh, warm up the tiles. Why not? Because when we analyzed our Mishnah, we said, my COVID. And what did Rabbi Barbar Khanah say? That the reason why in our Mishnah that we didn't allow the warming of the tiles, was because we, because you're not allowed to do things that require badika. So if that's true, then what about the bird? Then maybe on Yom Tov, we should not be allowed to shekh this bird because it's a bird that has a reyesa, because something happened to it, something traumatic happened to it. So that's what the Gemara says. Um, really no, An-an, we are not of the opinion that the restriction in our Mishnah of warming up the tiles is because we're in the camp of, quote, Mibnei Shitzarech the on the top line of this, we're of the opinion that the concern is not about warming it up to see if it will break. We're not concerned about that. We're just saying you're not allowed to warm it up only for the purpose of strengthening it. So therefore, problem uh, solved. That's how we learned our Mishnah. That's uh, one section of the Gemara. Next, we're about a quarter of the way down on Tanya. the B'risa writes, one person brings the fire, one person brings the wood, one person brings the pot. One person brings the water. Another person puts in the spices and still another person stirs the pot. So this is a famous halacha, everyone is going to be held accountable. Very well-known halacha about uh, Hilchos Shabbos. I have a Tanya, the rice, writes elsewhere. Acharon, chayev, b'chulam turin. So this is a big stira. You just said that the whole, you got a clown car. Every person who comes out of the car does one piece of the cooking. The first guy, does, he sets up the pot. The second guy adds the water. The third guy adds the spices. The fourth guy puts the wood down. The fifth guy lights the fire. So that's a machlokas and braises as to how many people are chayyab. The first braises we learned painted the picture that everyone is chayyab. This last braises that we learned said that no, only the last one is chayyab. Answers the Gemara, lo kasha, this is not a stira halfway down la madala, la madalev, ha de icy ur meikara, ha de icy ur, the sofa depends when the fire was lit. Oh, such, such a rational thing to say. If you bring a pot, but you haven't done anything with it, if you bring water, even if you put in the spices, even if you bring the wood, but there's no fire. So how can you say that anyone is chayb? You haven't done anything yet. You, in a vacuum, a separate, are innocent. Can it be a separate malacha that you're not supposed to do? And what malacha have you done? I'll
1: you put spices
0: it. in a pot. Okay, said so there, so. but... Uh... It's not, that's not our concern. We're talking about Bishel. When this is framed out of Masecha Shabbos, it's only a question about Bishel. And we hold all of these people accountable, but here in Beitzah, the Gemara makes a distinction. And it says, or When do we say that everyone is Chayev? That's when the fire is already lit. Then the guy who puts in the spices, the guy who puts in the wood, the guy who puts in the water, you're all in violation of Halacha. But according to the B'risa, that says that only the last guy is going to be held accountable. That's because he's the shmendrik who lit the fire and cooked everything. But everybody else was putter. I'm not saying it's mutter, but they're all putter. There's no iser, do, Says the Gemara. Hold on one second. Bishlam, I understand in the case where we said that everyone is chayv, in the case where the fire was lit first, and then everybody came along and added another element. There I understand. Everybody did something. Ella, except for one person. The guy who brought the pot, it's made out of metal, made out of earthenware. He puts it over the fire. What has he done wrong? Why is he chay Why well, He didn't do anything. There's zero bishel took place because of him. But do we say that he enabled the guy who added the water? How far does this go? It so says the Gemara, Amar ben libun naguba. No, what the Gemara says is the reason why the person is chayav is because of makhev He took this pot and it was brand new. It wasn't yet finished. And when he put it on the fire... He violated tikkun money, he violated the issue of making a kli. Uh, and that brings us to yet the next For him. Right. For him. But for everybody else. For everybody else, it's bishul. Correct. Yeah, we have to parse out because otherwise, and let's just say the case the other way. Let's say the pot has been used a hundred times. Then he's putter. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done anything wrong. But in this case, we, <laughs> that's the go to create a new kimta to understand the brysa because the brysa makes no sense. I understand if the fire is on and you're the guy who put the wood in and you're burning wood, usser. Uh, I understand. You add water to the pot, bishel. You add tavlin to this pot, bishel. bishel. I mean, it'll clearishon. We paskin in halacha that a uh, tavlin are allowed in a clicheny. So that means, for example, that you're allowed to put salt into a clicheny. So the post discussed this in regards to, to chicken soup, whatever, any kind of soup, I guess, but uh, typically chicken soup. It does the ladle count as the clicheny to make your bowl the cliche? Or do we say no? If the ladle is so hot, it's piping hot, let's say if it's made out of metal. So metal holds a lot of heat. Well, it doesn't hold a lot of heat. It gives off a lot of heat, so it's very hot. So then really, maybe your bowl's a cliché. Okay, can I put salt and pepper inside that? That's a shailah in the postgame. That's a shailah halacha. So the most lenient shita in this world is the shita of the Rav, Rav Yosef. He was of the opinion that you're allowed to drink tea on Shabbos, even in a cliché. It's extremely mechudosh. I, I, my family does we don't drink tea. We don't make tea on Chavez. When people in our house ask us for tea on Chavez, we're like, oh, it's like a little awkward. Like you put the water out and then you put a tea bag on the table. Am I allowed to even do that? Like if I hold that it's us, or is it leaf, navy, or tea But the rub holds that it it's takamutter. Why does the rub hold its mutter in a cliche? Because the rub believed that tea leaves were considered tavlin. they're considered spices. Think about this parsley, dried parsley. Oregano, they are leaves that are dried and used as spices. The Rav says it's a spice, like anything else. So the Rav says, you can make tea in a klisheni because tavlin and the klisheni is mutter. So then there were a couple of people in Rav Shechter's Shir Rav Shechter was a ton. they said, oh, that's beautiful. I want to follow that sheet." He said, great. If you want to follow the Rav's shita over here, take a deep breath and you have to hold all of his sheetas because he does not think like everybody else. So we don't go shopping for kulas. You find your rub, You ask your shilas, and you move on. But that's an application over here. It says the gemara over here. His isser that he did over here is very simple. It said it happened to have been a new pot, and when he placed it on the fire, the heat of the fire completed, as it were, the pot, and therefore that would be problematic a little bit more than halfway down. Why they're all blamed to cook This is shabbos. It's just it's create it's painting a picture uh, here of a different question. It's not. It's, it's just out of. It's you're, you're absolutely right. It's not a Yantav suya, It's a shabbos suge. This doesn't you could cut this out and put them in Sekashab, so it would fit perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So it says the Gemara rabban on another din, tonir vikiraim, two different types of ovens, khadashim, if they're brand new on the same note, because we're the tiles is what's led to all of this. Are we allowed to heat things that? that uh, will be improved by their having been heated. So it's much easier to move them. No problem. You can use them as a box. That's fine. However, it wasn't uncommon to kind of put, one layer of oil on it before they would use it the first time. You shouldn't be wiping it down with a towel. You shouldn't be, uh, you know, you, we know this now that the way you, you can like temper metals is extreme flip of temperature. We know that that hardens metal. We know that. But I don't, they knew that too. So they said over here, let's say, if it's boiling hot from the cooking process, can you dump very cold water on it to harden the metal? Not allowed. But if any of these things were needed in order to actually bake, that's fine. That's fine. Not a simple din because it contrasts with what we learned earlier. Need to be shown him to understand this. Next, the rabbi said, one is allowed to be mole uh, To be molig is to pour boiling hot water on the, the animals, shechted already. is to pour boiling hot water on the head and feet of the animal. It's a place where there's a lot of hairs and feathers. We've always We've all seen the chickens that have not yet been cleaned well enough. And also, you are allowed to singe it in fire. I've seen people do this before. Like professional chefs will do this. They have a whole chicken and they'll turn on a fire. And whenever they see remnants of the feathers, they'll just hold it next to the flame and it'll just singe right off. Just totally gone. I've seen, I've seen people do that. Aval, in Tofal and osan, you're not allowed to cover this bicharosis, uh, which is lye, below baadama with earth, below seed, which is some type of plaster. And all of these were ways of removing hair uh, from the chicken. So those were, some of those were not allowed and some of them were. The water was allowed and the singeing was allowed, but not with any of these pastes. You're not allowed to use a pair of scissors. This is very interesting. Halachalamaisa in the Mishnah Brewer, I think, I think the Mishnah Brewer discusses using a pair of scissors on Shabbos. And from what I've learned, one is allowed to use a pair of scissors on Shabbos as a klisha malach iser. So let's say you have a package, you know, sometimes the, the bags of salad that we buy, you can't tear them open like they're something magical happened in the process of making the plastic bag. You can tear all other kinds of plastic, but you can't open a salad bag without a pair of scissors. So minus all the issues of cutting letters, let's assume you're a good cut. So then you could take uh... You can take a scissors because it's cliche, malach, the lizard, no problem. But here he says that it's not allowed. And if you have a uh, shearing scissors, as we would call them in our language, you're not allowed to use that to cut up certain vegetables that would have benefited. Aval, There was a certain type of vegetation. These were very difficult foods to cook. And Rashi here, he compounds this by saying that they were very. there was a lot of tircha to cook. And nevertheless, they were using it. It must have had a special role. Uh, in the cooking process of Yantiv, might have, might have been something special. Um, one is allowed to cook in a very large oven. One is allowed to heat up water in a very large water container that would keep. That would be our modern day version of an, of an urn. Ein before one is not allowed to cook in a very large new oven shemat has lest it crack. It hasn't been tested yet. Going all the way back to the beginning of our sugya today, and that brings us to yet another sugya before we get to the next Mishnah, A ton seven lines from the bottom. The rabbis teach us in a ein nofchen bemafoach. One is not allowed to. We know these things that are that are used that when you. They're, they're kind of v-shaped. For yeah, for the fireplace, they're like a leather. they have a bag in the center and you open it, it draws in oxygen. and when you push it out, it blows out oxygen and it helps the fire to grow. So the thing, the cleat, thats I can't remember what it was, bellow, there's bellows. a bellows. Yeah. okay. So whatever uh, that that's not allowed to be used. Aval <clears throat> you can take a straw. Uh, that's allowed. It has to be done by you're not allowed to fix a skewer. Uh, that's not allowed. You can also not sharpen a ton of Rabbonon. In Mifatzenes HaKona Litzlos the one is not allowed to split up a piece of wood in order to lay it down on the bottom of the oven so that the, the fish that's being cooked there, the salted fish, won't burn. In Mifatzenes this one's allowed to crush up um, nuts inside like a garment of some kind like a napkin of some kind and if it tears it tears we're not concerned about it that brings us to a new mishnah uh, which starts at the bottom of lamed Aleph. we're going to be wrapping up until about a quarter of the way down on lamed and Aleph. we're going to push a little farther tonight because if you look at the next plot you'll see that the bottom of lamed hamidbez is pretty big uh, as is the next plot pretty big okay so we're at a new Mishnah now. Let's hold cup. There are some subtleties here, uh, and we have to stay focused. Says the Gemara, "Veod Amar Rabbi Al-Yezer. What's veod? So Rashi points out that the previous Brisa, the previous Mishnah that we learned had a cool of him as well. And if you look back at the Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah Gemala Lama Lama he's the one who allowed for the toothpicks to be made. Okay, so the the Mishnah here says, v'od Rabbi Al-Yezer. A person is allowed to stand over that which is muksa. In this case, we're talking about dried fruit. When it's Erev Shabbos during Shmita. that's now, that's this year. And you can say from somewhere around here, I'm going to be taking some of these foods tomorrow. And that prepares the food to be eaten. You need to put up, uh, you know, flags. You need to be able to be very clear as to what exactly you plan on eating. So the, Mishnah, the Gemara is now going to present two sources and then ask a question. Now the it, two, are we talking about the owner of the field or just anybody's stuff? It has to be someone who's allowed to eat it. But, uh, but isn't it all hefty anyway? Well, there's no mice around it is the point. So you're allowed to eat it, but you you have an issue of muksa because it's not dried yet. So as long Because it's drying now. It's drying overnight. So before Yant, if you say, I'm going to leave on the roof, I have a, a, you know, a 10 foot by 10 foot section of drying fruit. Tomorrow I'm going to take from there. That's the tanakama, And the Machlokas from the Chachamim is not, it's not enough. It's insufficient. You have to like cordon off exactly what you plan on eating. This front right corner, the right? Whatever it is, you have to be just more specific. You're right. There's no Miser. That's correct. And it has to be eaten, care. whatever all the Halachos are, but uh, Correct. The Mishnah assumes that we know what we're talking about when it comes to Shemitah, which by and large is not true. And I include myself in that. Lama and Namad Ves, third line, the Gemara opens with uh, two sources that imply opposite things. And they, these two opposite implications will then lead to a question in the Gemara. Tananhas, and we have one Mishnah that says as follows. It was a time where the figs were being harvested. In Tinokos, there were some children in the Arab Shabbos. They took some of the, some of the figs and they hid them. They hit them and the, they were playing with them in the in the in the sand. They were just throwing them around. The shachahu. And by the time it all it all came to pass before Shabbos, below Israel, they had not taken Meister yet. But motzeh Shabbos, by the time Shabbos is over, lo yochu lo kein Then you're not allowed to eat them until Meister has been taken. The subtlety of the Gemara here is that one is not allowed to eat Be'arai. One is normally before before something has been muusar we're allowed to eat Be'arai. Here we're not allowed to eat Be'arai, but that's very strange because. This food never made it into the house, and when the food is not roe pney habayis, that is what's called eno gumar Malakha. That means that it's as if the harvesting is not yet done. Why? It's a very unique din, and we'll have to see why this is the case. That's that's source number one. Source number two, six lines down, la lamidbeis bitznan nami. We also have another brisah If a person is laying out uh, figs in their chatzer in order for them to dry out more reliable weather than here in Chicago. so They're allowed to eat. And there's they're currently potter from, from the Chiyuv of Miser. So these two juxtaposing Mishnayas, the they're not juxtaposed in real life, just here in our Gemara. They are not Mishnayas that are next to one another. But says the Gemara, based on these two sources as follows, I don't understand. The first case was about Shabbos. The second case was about Chatzar. It seems to be that the case of Shabbos, even though the food was never brought into the house, it was never roh p'nei habayis, but still we said it's chayim and my and you're not even allowed to eat be'arayim. Yet in the next case, when it was in a chatzar, it seems to be that eating be'arayim is mutter. It says the Gemara as follows, v'aminei ravamei rav nachman. Shabbos, would we say that Shabbos is just so powerful that even though it's true that this particular food was not gemar malachon, it was it wasn't roa pney it really shouldn't yet be chayev and forbidden to be eaten at Maybe Shabbos is just so powerful that it is that way. Mi Do we see? Uh, that since we have a pasuk that by Shabbos the food has a den of oneg, therefore kava it instantly becomes in the status of inedible even be'arai. Even for something which is not nigmar, even for a food that was not roa pneya bais, it's not yet shyach, it's not yet chayev in in Meiser, it's not even done being harvested yet. Odilma, or perhaps would we say one third of the way down, but kava, it actually would not be. Uh, forbidden to eat barai, unless it's nigmar malachto. the food would have to be brought into the house, and bedaver shalom nigmar malachto lo and had it been that the food was not nigmar malachto, then lo would not reach the end point of its processing to the point that it would be asserted. Which one is it? On Rav Nachman, says back to Rav, Shabbos kovas, Shabbos is powerful enough that even if a food is low nigmar malachto, even though it never made it in, even though it never made it in, uh, to the house, it was not roa pneya bias Shabbos is strong enough that bein b'davar shenigmar malachto, bein Badavar Shalon nigmar malachto. Whether or not the food made it into the house, we're going to say that you're not allowed to eat it. Be'arayi, Shabbos is so powerful. amarle but the other brisa compared it to Shabbos. V'eima, maybe we should say that Shabbos is dumiya dechatzer. That was the second Brett mishnah that we saw as the gemara opened at the top of this page. And ma chatzer, just like by a we see that eno kovasel b'davar malachto. When the when the te'in and when the dates are being laid out inside of the field and inside of your chutz are to be dried out, there it's not koveya unless it's nigmar malachto, unless it sees the the, the roof of your house, it's ropnebeso. Af shabbos lo malachto. I have a marimako. I have a great marimakum that tells me that maybe by Shabbos I should distinguish and say that only when it's nigmar malachto does it actually work like that. So it says the Gemara, Amarle, Limud Aruch or Talmud Aruch, depending on your on your girsa. Uh, the Kisve Yad have it as Talmud Aruch. Uh, kind of makes a little bit more sense in regards to our language. Uh, Talmud Aruch. We have an open Gamarahu, bi'adenu in our hands, Sheh Shabbos Kovas. And when we say Shabbos is Kovas, that is Ben B'davar, Sheh Nigmar Amalachto, Ben B'davar, Shalom Nigmar Amalachto, whether or not that food is rope it's really completed its entire harvesting process. Whether or not that's the case, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Once Shabbos happens, the food is ushered to be eaten, even Be'arai. Omar Marzutra, let me try and bring a proof here. He will see that this won't work, but he's going to cleverly try to bring a proof from our Mishnah. Omar Marzutra de Rav Nachman. Now, look, by the way, just look who's talking. This is his son. This is Marzutra Bere de Rav Nachman. And Rav Nachman was the one who gave him. So His son is piping up. You could you imagine at the Shabbos table, Tati, I have a Mishnah for you. Which Mishnah is it? It's our Mishnah, Masekhaz Beitzah. Uh, what does our Mishnah say? We're two-thirds of the way down, a little bit more, Lama That was our Mishnah. So let's learn our Mishnah with his diuk. Taima. The reason why in our Mishnah, we said you could eat be'arai was because the because during a year of Shviz, there is no Miser. There's no Miser to be given. And you're, not to, you're not allowed to give Miser that year. You're done. And what does that imply? That it's only during the year of is that it would be mutter. Habishar shnei shavua. In the other years of the of the week, uh, literally that's how it's translated, but shnei shavua means the other years of Shemitah. Hachi It should still be the case that it's aser, my time. And now Marzutra finishes his argument. Doesn't that mean la mishum de shabbos kova? Doesn't that come to show you that Shabbos is koveya? Because we see that in all years that are non-Shvish years, the implication of our Mishnah is, is that it would be usher to eat that food. Exactly like my father Rav Nachman wanted to say. Beautiful argument. Says the Gemara, four lines from the bottom below. You totally mislearned that Mishnah. doesn't say who's talking, but you can imagine Rav Nachman looking at his son and saying, Zis. My sweet boy, you learned the Mishnah wrong. Well, shiny Hossam, that's a different case. Why is our Mishnah not a good enough source to learn that Shabbos is kovea, to restrict us from eating food be'arai? Because keivan de'amar, what does our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah says, mikan ani machar, kova le'ivave. Because here he said, this food I'm going to eat when it's ready. So you made it ready. That was your gemar you're done now. And therefore, you cannot bring a raya like Marzutra wants. So says the Gemara, if what makes something into, uh, if what makes something kavua is saying that it's going to be eaten, the nami. the halacha should be the same during the week as well. This is not a simple concept. You can take a look at the, very long Rashi at the bottom of the page. But this, uh, basically, the Gemara is saying that we, this should apply during the week as well. If just choosing that something can be uh, completed, therefore it's completed, which should be true during on a Tuesday as well. It says the Gemara, the Gemara teaches us an ancillary halacha. What does it teach us? The Tevel, hu Shabbos, that if you have a food that's Tevel, uh, that it actually could at some point be edible. How so? And the very bottom line, of that if a person violated halacha, and actually was misake in the temple, they brought meiser, halacha is mesukan, that the food is actually going to be considered edible. Now on the very top of lamed halaf, and we're going to again go about 10 lines down or so, 12 lines down, just to get to the end of this first approach, and then we'll stop, the gemara raises a concern, the halomo saru chozer. halomo saru means that if you have food, that um, that can be put back into the original location that you took it from, so then the halachas change. How do the halachas change? The on the Rabbi Eliezer de Amar de Lo Kava. That if a food can be put at put back in its original container, so then there's no keva. There's nothing that that establishes it firmly as inedible, and therefore we shouldn't say that it's usher to eat. right right? Should be it should be mutter to eat be'aray. It's not. And what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says as follows, a person who takes olives, a, olives out of its container, out of a vat. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to take one at a time. That's not a problem. The word asara should be removed. If you dipped it and then you put it on a plate in front of you, that looks like a meal already. Now you're not, that's not normal. In that case, that is going to be chayev in Meister. That's not right. What does Rabbi Eliezer say? Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, he says something that's a little difficult, and the Gemara is going to push on this. He says, If the food that's taken out of a vat is from a, a Tahor vat, then you are going to be done for, your chayiv. And mean a mat putter, that if you take it out of a tamei uh, vat, then you're going to be putter. Mipne shehu because in this latter case, you're going to be putter, meaning there's no keva. It is not considered completed in its harvesting process because you can always put it back. Behavinan, how did Rabbi Eliezer make the difference between the vat being tahor and seifa. Why is it that when it came to the vat being tahor, we said that you're going to be chayiv, and but the vat being tame, you said you you can put it back, and you're going to be putter. The seven eight lines down on Lamad Heyam Adalev. The Bo Rabbi tahor tame. In the ratio where we said that you are not allowed to put the food back, and you would therefore be chayiv, and there is a kvius of your of the process of tevel. That's because. The uh, food that came out was tahor, but you are tame. So you can't put it back because you made it tame. So now it can't go back in the vet. However, Sefa says the Gemara, we're dealing with a vat that's tame and a person that's tame. It's They're all the same, same halachic status. If he touches it, if he doesn't touch it, it's still going to be tame. That can be put back, um, and that's the Matzi And therefore, uh, we see that it can be returned. So that's our, our Gemara's question. It's a bit of a sophisticated question, but the Gemara's question is as follows. You said that there could be a Kviush why should there be a kvias if it's possible that that item can be returned where it came from? If you take a fig off of the roof and you can put it back, that's not called kvias. You said that it's called kvias, but it's not. We see from Rabbi Eliezer that it's not always called kvias. So the Gemara answers, The case that we are dealing with, the case in our Mishnah that we're dealing with is a case, the case of Shabbos, Shavis, that whole case that, was, that we're dealing with at the Mishnah on the bottom, of, Lama Dalad, of, Lama Dalad, of wrapping up to the top of lamadalatamabeis, that is a case, as the Gemara says, where you're dealing with tahor food, but a tame person, um, uh, uh, where you're not allowed to, where you're not able to turn to return it. And we're going to end our question with the next four words: vhalo, <speaking> muhzarin, <Hebrew> What does that mean? It means that if you look at, at the case that we're dealing with, all the food is literally just sitting there on the roof. It's not even moving. It's not even like there's a shayla of can we be machzir, the food. It's still sitting in its original spot. So how could there ever be a shayla of kvias if you never pick it up? You want to argue that if you pick it up, maybe you can put it back. Maybe you can find. I understand. It's just sitting on the roof. I have a whole section on my roof separated out for drying vegetables and fruits, whatever it is. I haven't even moved it yet. But according to your approach, that as long as it's returnable, there's no kvias, then certainly if I never pick it up, there's not going to be a kviyas, then we should never be chayv, and it should always be motzerti'it, All right. And the Gemara ends with this rejection of our first approach. And tomorrow, starting at Ella, nearly a third of the way down on Laman HaMadal, we'll pick up with the second approach here. And we're going to stop for right here and wishing you all a beautiful night. It seems like you're zapped either way. What does that mean?